Good morning, everybody. My name's Joelle. So great to be with you guys today. If you would stand for a scripture reading today, <clears throat> it is Exodus 20, 17 through 21. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male or female servant, his ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. When the people saw the thunder and lightning and heard the trumpet and saw the mountain and smoke, they trembled with fear. They stayed at a distance and said to Moses, speak to us yourself and we will listen, but do not have God speak to us or we will die. Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. God has come to test you so that the fear of God will be in you to keep you from sinning. The people remained at a distance while Moses approached the thick darkness where God was. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you stay standing as we pray? Lord, we want to approach you in a right way, not in a way that is full of trembling fear that pushes you away, but in a way that we know we are invited to your feast, to the table set before us. Lord, we come this morning to worship you and to praise your holy name in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And God's people shouted, Amen. Amen. You may be seated now. Uh, I will tell you about, I've been gone for six weeks, and so I'll tell you about that. I'm limping a little bit. There's a story. It's not, it's not a good story. It's just, I was walking. I'll tell you that story in a minute. But first, just a, uh, a word, which kind of uh, echoes what Brett said before communion, that, that this, uh, I'm going to give you a metaphor. It, it, you could call it a parable. Uh, boldly, if you would receive it as such, it's a prophetic word. But I have this this image in my mind and my heart that that we all all of us myself included go to these tables where there's junk food and we covet other tables and kind of the grass is always greener and in our lives metaphorically we go to table after table seeking more and more only to find you know when we eat junk food how do you feel after you eat junk food you feel blah that's a good blah yeah we feel blah like oh yuck and yet there is a table that the lord prepares for us and it is metaphorically a simple table of bread and a cup and we can go to this table and we can eat full of this table and it lifts us it fills us from the inside out and this is the table not a table of coveting not a table of mockers and bad company but a table of the Lord and a table where the church is there these are the tables we should seek out the Lord's tables amen amen, amen. So that's the word. So do you want to hear the calf story? I hurt my calf. Or do you want to hear the sabbatical story first? <laughs> calf. So, the calf story. I have a, everyone has a calf. I have a calf. And I wish they were, I was like, I was training for the Pikes Peak Marathon and a bear came out and bit my leg. I wish it was that. But instead I was walking in a backyard of my friend's house. We were playing Frisbee, not even ultimate Frisbee, but just Frisbee. And then we were playing something called spike ball. If you see, it's like a little tiny net and you walk around, you like hit this ball and I took a step back and my calf just ripped and it sprained it. And I went down and I tell people the story, the younger the people are, they're like, so wait, you were just walking. I don't understand. Were you doing a flip? 
No. And then I was telling this story because I was walking earlier this week. I had a little crutch and I was walking around. I was at the seniors lunch on Wednesday because uh, there's a, the seniors have lunch and then we do the pantry. Some of you help out. Laura lies here. Uh, some of you help out with the pantry. We, we always need more volunteers if you want. But I was at the pantry and the seniors lunch telling the seniors about how I hurt myself. And they were just like, yeah, yep. Yeah. And they said, how old are you? And I said, well, I turned 40 this month. And then one of them just said, well, serves you right. All this walking around. And I just thought, is this, is this what 40 is like? Just, just walking around, getting hurt? So that's, that's the calf story. The sabbatical story is a wonderful story. So if you're new, I, I see a couple of new faces, but uh, we, we, my wife and I and kids, we took six weeks off every seven years. New Life gives uh, pastors, everybody on staff, actually, if you're full-time, whether it's a uh, janitor crew, we call them hospitality or tech crew. If you're full-time, you get six weeks off, uh, four weeks, and then you could add your other vacation to it, which is what we did. And so we took six weeks off. It was wonderful. Someone did the math at the beginning of the sabbatical and just said, so Jay, our oldest, the one who ran out, you saw him, he's seven now. And someone said, you know, the next time you'll get this sort of time off with family, he'll be 14. And I was like, wow, that's the math. Yeah, uh, let's, let's not waste any moment. And so we had lots of time with family, we went to Minnesota, where my wife's from, we, we spent every morning, I would get up and spend 20 minutes with each boy reading the Bible and talking about it as much as they could. You know, uh, uh, the older ones got more of it than, than the younger ones. But that was just this word, someone just doing the math before the sabbatical saying, don't waste this time. Erica and I got 10 days uh, apart from the kids to go travel. And that was one, I was talking to somebody checking in their kids. And they're like, yeah, the other day I got one day apart from the kids. And it was awesome. So we are very blessed. We are rested. Spiritually, I feel very full. There was uh, a time I got to the, go in Minnesota to a lake, a cabin, rustic cabin on a lake, and, and spend three days praying, fasting. It just lifted my spirits up. And so going into this sabbatical, I just felt like I'm kind of like going into a halftime. Like we're winning the game. We're doing good. New Life Manitou's doing great. We go into a halftime. You get a rest, like a 15-minute break, and then you you get uh, you know, pumped up by the coach and reminders of why we're doing this and what we're doing. And then you go out of halftime and just destroy the enemy. And that's how I feel now. Like, let's destroy the enemy, which is sin and death and darkness and the devil. And let's win for the Lord, right? So that's how, amen, amen. All right. So that's how I feel. It sounds like you guys feel that too. Let's jump right in. The first point, three points in this sermon this morning about coveting. The first point is this. It's the tagline of our Ten Commandments series, which ends today. Next week, Brett will speak about uh, well, our new series is starting Colossians, the book of Colossians. But today we're concluding this series and the tagline is God's character in our calling. God's character in our calling. And so we look at these commandments and say, God is good. He is very good. He is, the way he is, is awesome and great. He is the Lord and we are lacking. But when we look at these commands, we can see that we can become um, called into God's greatness by following these commands. We can learn from these 10 commandments, something about who God is, which we have these last nine weeks and today, the 10th week. And we can learn something about our calling, what we are called into. And the four, the 10 commandments, the first 
four have to do with us and God. The last six have to do with each other and how we live our lives. And this last one, do not covet, is unlike any of the other ones. This one is, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say, this is by far the hardest command to fulfill, the hardest command to obey. Because this command, point number two is this, that coveting is a sin within the mind. All the other commands have some sort of action with them. Do not lie. Do not you know, say something with your mouth that is a false witness. Do not, uh, do not uh, steal. Don't make the action of taking something. Do not make for yourself an idol. Don't do that. All the commandments have some sort of action along with them, either whether it's a don't do or a, like commandment number four, do honor the Sabbath. And this last command has to do with our mind. This command is not about action, but it is about our own mind and our own thinking and how our own thoughts play out. Here's what it says. Uh, Exodus 20, 17, do not covet. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You should not covet your neighbor's wife or his male or female servant or his ox or his donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. And that last phrase there, that, that's for us. Anything. Don't, don't covet anything. We could look through these things and say, I don't even know of any oxes or donkeys that I've ever coveted. Well, this was written 3,000 years ago. Let that last phrase be the point here. It's like, don't covet anything. There's some examples here about oxes and donkeys and, and male and, and female servants. Just don't covet anything that belongs to anyone else because that's our neighbor, anyone else. The Hebrew word here is hamad. Say it, Hamad, and it means to set our desire onto something that is not ours. And this is what we do in our mind. I mean, who is not guilty of coveting? Don't raise your hand. That would be lying. And that's the other command that we're not supposed to do. When I was in Minnesota, I hinted at this. There was a, a, a realtor of all people here in Manitou owns a cabin in Duluth, which is where Erica's from, on Briar Lake. And she let us uh, use the cabin, gave us the code. I could give it to you later, too, if you want. Um, just kidding. <laughs> Uh, gave us, let us just stay in this rustic cabin right on Briar Lake in, in the north of Duluth, Minnesota. And it was awesome. It was beautiful. Besides the mosquitoes, it was the most beautiful, wonderful thing you can imagine. And so I had three days. The, my family let me go for three days. And I went to this cabin. I just sat there for three days. And it was awesome. Like no kids. Like you just like, wow, this is great. It's something I looked forward to uh, going into the sabbatical, a time of rest and just sitting and praying and I would begin to pray and I'd say, okay, I'm going to set aside this hour. I'm just going to praise the Lord. And then I would start to think about something else and like, man, I'm really angry at someone. I'm trying to praise the Lord, but I just thought, I didn't even remember I was this person. Now I'm angry at them. And then I start thinking about, oh, it'd be cool to go fishing. And oh, look at that. Oh, look at this. And, and then I'm thinking about bugs and like, oh, look at that bug. It's got six, oh, it's missing a leg. And then I start thinking about like all the, like, what am I doing? I'm supposed to be praying. It's just this continued like my thought, like when you're alone for an extended time, you, you just become more like, you realize like, man, I do not have control of my mind. Like, like all of you do, I'm sure. Like I, I just, it is hard. It is a battle to pray. It is a battle to keep our thought life as it is. I got to read a lot of the Bible during those days. I, I got to listen to 
I have uh, some books being read on tape uh, of Maximus the Confessor, a church father. And he said this quote. I think we have it on the board for you. I'll read it. It says, for the fighting against the thoughts of things. So listen to this. Don't, don't, get, don't let your mind wander. <laughs> fighting against the thoughts of things is much harder than fighting against the things themselves. For just as to sin in the mind is easier than to sin through outward action. So he says, it's, it's easier actually to, to, to sin in the mind because we just let our mind go. Fight against the things of the mind. Control your mind. Control your thoughts. This command, the 10th commandment, do not covet, is concerned about our desires. It's concerned about the seat, the fountain of what we think about. And it is foolish. It is folly. It is, let's call it what it is, it is sin to covet, to desire the things that are not ours. A couple more quotes here. Do not set your desire on what God has not granted you, but to God himself. This commandment is an invitation to live in God, to get our sanity back, to reorient our lives. This command is finding joy in life. This command is, 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 is about not having everything I desire, but about learning to desire everything I have. I'll say that again. This commandment is about godliness. And godliness is not having everything I desire, but learning to desire everything that I have. This is my uh, wedding ring here. I'm always taking it off and playing with it, like spinning it and stuff. So it's, it's still the original. I haven't lost it yet um, by, by playing around with it. It's titanium. I got it 11 years ago. It's pretty cool. My wife put a, a, an inscription on the inside. And in it, it says the Hebrew for Song of Solomon 7, 10, which is, I belong to my beloveds and my desire, his, his desire is for me. I belong to my beloved and his desire is for me. Think about that. That's, that's a picture of, of marriage that you're not desiring, you're not coveting outside of marriage, but you're actually full of passion, full of desire for each other because each other is what you have, not outside of marriage, but inside of marriage to belong to your beloved and, and their desire is for you. Let me, list, let me uh, read this passage. This um, is, is Paul writing to Timothy about godliness and what godliness is and contentment. Maybe some of you know this passage, but listen to it. Let this be a hearing test for you. Uh, think, uh, like, can you put these words into your own words? Can you put these words into your own context? Paul to Timothy says, godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world. We could take nothing out of it. If we have food and clothing, we should be content with that, or we will be content with that. Verse 9, those who want to get rich fall into a temptation, a trap, into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. So you want to know what success looks like? Paul is basically saying you want to know what great gain looks like? It doesn't look like more and bigger and stuff and rich and fame. It looks like godliness with Contentment, the, the very opposite of a, of a life of coveting is this. I've heard of, I've never been to, maybe some of you have been to like success seminars or uh, like a self-help, like let's go out there and 
grab the world and like the, these conferences and like a self-help kind of thing. And I've heard of people saying, you know, you know what you should really do to be successful. There's people in the, in the secular world just saying, if you want to be successful, if you, you know what you want to do, if you see something you want, like you're looking in a magazine, you see a yacht, you cut out the picture of that yacht, you see a car you really want, cut out that picture, you see a mansion that you really want, cut out that picture and put it in your mirror and every day look at it until you get it. Like that's the advice the world has for the world and we as Christians say that's coveting like that's that's the definition like that's not what we're supposed to do we are not supposed to covet other things that do not belong to us that is not supposed to be our goal our desire is supposed to be on God not on the things we don't have listen to this recognize that what I really desire in all my desiring is God and when I have him I have it all. Recognize that what I really desire in all my desiring is God. And when we have him, we have it all. Think about this. Um, most of us in here, myself included, like this isn't a command that we're like, yeah, we got that one. Uh, some of the other commandments, you know, you might pat yourself on the back. It's like, yeah, I haven't you know, stolen anything since, you know, whenever. I haven't uh, lied yet today, I don't think. Um, but, but this one is like, yeah, we can't. This one's very hard to keep. I mean, how many of you wouldn't covet if, you know, you and somebody else had the same job and they're getting paid double? How many of you wouldn't covet their pay? How many of you on the side of the road with your broke down car, watching cars go by, like, oh, that's a nice car, wouldn't covet? How many of you, have anybody been on a flight longer than like eight hours? Uh, okay, a couple of you, you, you go to your seat and it reclines like this far, and you're like, oh, this is brutal. And you walk past first class and they're already in there with like chocolate, sun they're like halfway through a movie, chocolate sundaes dripping all over. Over them. How many, I mean, who doesn't covet that? Like that's, it's just human nature to covet. And so what are we supposed to do with this? There's a fear in, in this context. Moses gives the Ten Commandments, lists coveting, and then it says the people got really scared and they try to push God away. They say to Moses, when the people saw the thunder and lightning, heard this covenant, uh, command about not coveting, they heard the trumpet and saw the mountain and smoke and they trembled with fear. They stayed at a distance and said to Moses, speak to to your, speak to us yourself and we will listen, but do not have God speak to us or we will die. Think about the, the trembling fear and they're trying to push away God because of this fear. And Moses says to the people, do not be afraid. This command, all of the commands, the law, this is point number three. The Ten Commands point us to Christ's forgiveness. This is the last point here. Pay attention. This is the point here of this sermon that that these Ten Commandments, we shouldn't look at them and pat ourselves on the back and say, oh, we've, we've gotten this one and that one. We should look at these Ten Commandments and say, you know, we've fallen short. They, they are our guide. They are what we are supposed to do. But certainly all of us have fallen short. Listen to this. Paul, in, in the middle of the book of Romans, Romans is a fascinating book. Uh, right in the middle of it, he gets to talking about coveting. Very interesting. The, the book of Romans, his uh, magnum opus, Latin from his masterpiece of how salvation works. And we, we, how many of you were here a couple months ago when we were talking about the book of Romans? Anybody? Yes, I see those hands. Good. Okay, you remember. So uh, it, it, almost in the smack dab, Paul says this in Romans chapter seven, verse seven, he says, in fact, it was the law that showed me my sin. 
So we look at the Ten Commandments, we look at the Old Testament, we look at the law, we look at these rules, and Paul says, yeah, I, I, have, I have sinned. I've, I've looked at the law, can't keep up. The law has shown me my sin. And then this, I would have never, I would never have known that coveting is wrong if the law had not said, you must not covet. I mean, if we're honest, some of us are in here like thinking like, really? Like coveting? Is that, is that really that bad of a thing? Is that a sin? Just thinking about things and desiring things that are other people's and wanting them for ourselves? Is that really all that bad? Paul's in that boat. He's saying, yeah, I wouldn't have even known that coveting is wrong had it not been for the law, this 10th commandment that says, yeah, it is wrong. It would be like us going out in Manitou today. And is anybody else annoyed by all the jaywalkers just constantly through downtown Manitou? Okay, me too, me too. Thank you. Um, It would be like someone rolling down their windows and getting on a bullhorn. It's like, you jaywalkers, you're breaking the law. It's a sin. It's an abomination. This is horrible. And they would just look at you like, like, really? Like everyone's doing, I'm just walking across the street. I think in some ways, like this sin is kind of like that. And all of us are like, is, is it really that bad? Is, is it? And, and yes, like this is one of the 10 commandments. Do not covet. So you're not supposed to use your kids in the sermon illustrations, but I have four little boys that, so they, we do this all the time. So, um, you know, my boy, so they, they saw a commercial not too long ago, and it was like a lightsaber, uh, Star Wars, and it turned red if you wanted to be the bad guy or blue, and the force of the power is in your hands. And they saw this commercial, and instantly they're like, Dad, 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 Dad. And I was like, what? Dad, <laughs> well, guess what I want for my birthday? Dad, Dad. It's like, I could never guess. Is it, is it the light? Dad, we got to have those lightsabers. They're awesome. They're so cool. And it's just like a part of human nature. Like that's, that's what we, we see something. And the kids, you know, our kids, all of our kids, including ourselves, if we're honest, like if we have no filter, that's just what we're like. We see something, we're just like, we got to have that thing, whatever it is. Rowan uh, is, 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 I think he was, yeah, he's, he's four. Uh, this is a little while ago going into Christmas. Um, he watches uh, during his media time. He likes to watch little YouTube videos of toy reviews. And so he basically watches someone opening up a toy and playing with it on YouTube. It's great for the four-year-old, right? And so my wife showed him on a, on a Mac how to do a screenshot because Christmas was coming up and it's command shift number three and it takes a shot of the screen. And, and we said, you know, it'd be, it'd be nice to know what you wanted for Christmas. So if you see something you like, command shift three. And, and so it takes a shot. And so on the desktop, the first day, there was like a couple little things. We're like, oh, that's cute. I didn't know he liked that. Okay, great. We got some ideas for Christmas. The next day during his media time, the desktop gets con- entirely filled up. Hundreds of little pictures of what he wants for I mean, hundreds. It's the cutest thing. And yet the most like we've created a monster. <laughs> just every little thing he just wants and wants and wants. And it's just, it's part of our human nature. Uh, Jay, another sermon illustration of my kids. So at the beginning of this series, we were going over the Ten Commandments 
and trying to name them all. And, you know, he, he knew, he, he, eventually he got them all, actually. Uh, you know, don't have any other gods. Number two is don't make any idols. And I said, do you know what that means, not to make an idol? And he said, oh, yeah, of course, Dad. Uh, like on VeggieTales, they make this big bunny, and they worship it, and they, they bow down singing this song. I don't love my mom or my dad, just the bunny. <laughs> it's like, great, okay, you got that. That's what you're not supposed to do. Uh, you're not supposed to make an idol. We got to do not commit adultery. And I just said, yeah, it, it means not to have more than one wife. I didn't know what to say at that time. So that's what I said. He's like, got it. And then we get to the 10th command. And he said, dad, what's coveting? And I said, it's, it's wanting things that aren't ours. It's, it's seeing something uh, that, that's somebody else's and then we want it. And he was like, but what, wait, what? <laughs> like, we're not allowed to want it? And he said, well, but what if we ask nicely? <laughs> and I said, well, you know, this command's really about just like the not, you're not supposed to want it. And he's like, well, you know, like so-and-so has the Pokemon thing and, and my birthday's coming up. Can, am I not supposed to want it? And I was like, this command is really hard. It's hard for me. It's hard to explain. It's really hard to explain to a kid. Like, yeah, we're not supposed to want and desire what is not ours. And he, and he said, like a theologian, he's trying to like figure this out. He's like, so, okay, what if I don't want the one they have? What if we want to order our own on Amazon Prime? <laughs> Because he knows what Amazon Prime is. We just get our own on Amazon Prime, not theirs, but our own, a new one. And I, I, I didn't know how to answer that, to be honest with you. I'm a pastor. I should, but I didn't. I, so I just said, I just reminded him, this, this command is about not desiring the things that are not yours and not to be in this place of want. And he said, Dad, is it really wrong to covet? And I said, yeah. And he said, do you think it's wrong to covet? And I said, yeah. And he said, Dad, why? And I said, with all seriousness, I said, because these are the commandments the Lord has given us and I trust the Lord. And we, if you look at the sins in the Bible, the first command or the first sin in the Bible, the fall, the people saw, the, the, the Adam and Eve saw the fruit and they wanted it, they coveted it and they got it and it led to all this sin. And the very second sin is Cain and Abel and Cain sees his brother Abel with the favor of the Lord and he covets that favor. He's envious and jealous and with rage in his mind. He says, brother, come out into the field with me and you know the rest of the story story that begins with coveting. So what are we supposed to do? This is Romans 7 gets into this uh, argument. It's probably the most weighty chapter in all of the Bible, as far as my opinion goes. La last October, Justin Mendel, I don't see him here. He spoke on that and it was a family Sunday. And we we're like, okay, Justin, you have the hardest passage probably in the whole Bible. You have 15 minutes and kids are going to be in here screaming, go. And he did a great job, a wonderful job. He brought up this very famous argument, this passage that Paul says, you know, what am I supposed to do now that I understand about this sin? And it's maybe in the context of covenant. Like now that we know this is wrong, what do we do? And Paul even says, I don't even understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. What I hate to do, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. Very complicated argument that Paul lays out for himself. And he kind of, it seems like at the end of this passage, Romans 7, 24, kind of throws up his hands and just says, who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Like not coveting, that's, like, 
that's really hard to do just in our mind. Who? He throws up his hands. Who will rescue me? Who will deliver me from this body that is subject to death? And then he says this, our hope, and it deserves an amen. Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, this morning, as we kind of conclude here, this is kind of where... Uh, church services kind of end. I know I've been guilty of probably just saying, okay, uh, don't do this thing that you're not supposed to do. If you do do it, ask for forgiveness. Peace. See you next week. (laughs) But there's more. There's something else we are left to do. And that goes back to this image that I started with, that that there are all these tables in our lives, metaphorical uh, parable tables in our lives that we go to and we eat of, and they're tables of junk food. And the further we look, the better the tables get, and the grass is always greener. And we're going from table to table, coveting and getting more, and just feeling empty even after we eat. And yet there is a table set before us that God presents. It is him with a cup and with bread. And he says, come to this table and eat and drink and be full. So this, we're not ending today with just, okay, don't sin. But if you do ask for repentance, instead we're ending today with this reminder, come to the table that is set before us. You do not need to covet these tables of junk food in our lives. The table to go to with full desire and full passion and full hunger is to the Lord's table.